the other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, I am getting tired of saying this, but once again, I find myself agreeing with Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton used his annual Thanksgiving address on Thursday to boost Mayor Adams' public safety agenda and blast its critics as, quote, latte liberals. Speaking at his National Action Network headquarters in Harlem, Sharpton lauded Adams for centering his mayoralty on combating crime as well as police misconduct in the NYPD. Quote, we want our community safe from both the cops and the robbers that are bad. By the way, I'm not doing a Sharpton impersonation because I can't do it as well as Jay Diamond used to do it. And we are going to stand with the mayor on that. And then he squarely addressed the left-wing Democrats that are skeptical of some of Adams' crime-fighting policies. He said, quote, you know what I call them? These people that get all of these expensive drinks latte liberals they don't speak for us people on the ground need to be protected in both ways and there's nothing progressive about looking the other way i am so glad that al sharpton said this one it's true two i'm glad whenever anybody says it but sharpton love him or hate him and you know i've been kind of a critic of sharpton but he does have his supporters sharpton is enormously influential in the black community and in the left of center community particularly in New York. And I think this is exactly the constituency that needs to hear this sort of message. And on the stage with Sharpton for the Thanksgiving address were the controller, Brad Lander, and council speaker, Adrian Adams, both of whom have increasingly clashed with the mayor in recent months over public safety and other issues. Those are exactly the type of people that need to be hearing what Sharpton is saying. Now, Sharpton has never exactly been considered a big booster of the police. So why has he been repeatedly so vocal about the need for public safety and at the same time calling out left-wing critics that don't want improved policing? Well, I think it's a combination of two things. One, I think Sharpton genuinely is afraid that if crime doesn't start improving in the city and improving quickly, you will see what happened in 1993, which is a Giuliani-style mayor get elected. And that's somebody that Sharpton wants nowhere near City Hall. The other issue is access. Sharpton has a very good relationship with Adams. Adams gives him the time of day. He deals with him. He works with him. He goes to his events. And if Adams is not successful as mayor and Adams is turned out either by a conservative or by a progressive in 2025, all of a sudden Sharpton's access to City Hall and access to the mayor potentially goes away. But I hope Sharpton says what he said on Thanksgiving every single day. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno on 77 WABC. When Governor Hochul first became governor more than a year ago, one of the first things that she did, and I thought this was a great thing, was more kind of ceremonial and more about putting forward an image to the state than anything substantive. But I still think that's important when you're the head of state or a governor. And Governor Hochul, one of the first things she did was hold a closed-door meeting with relatives of nursing home residents 
residents killed by COVID-19, and she apologized to them for the pain caused by her predecessor, Andrew Cuomo's handling of the crisis. And I think that was a great thing and a great first step. However, we are seeing very little in the way of action in determining what actually happened within these nursing homes and what the state did, including her predecessor, in terms of lying to the legislature, in terms of lying to the federal government and lying to the public. One of the things that I think it's clear that we need done is to have a commission to study the effects of COVID specifically on adult group homes. Nonpartisan, non-political, not run by politicians, but an independent group to get to the bottom of exactly what occurred. The legislature, to their credit, passed a bill that would create exactly such a commission. It would have provided recommendations to the commissioner of the Office for People with Developmental Disabilities to develop ways of better serving people who live in the congregate settings, which are considered especially vulnerable to COVID-19. And Governor Hochul last week vetoed this bill. How in the world can she veto this bill? If you look at some of the places in this state where COVID just ran rampant, you had nursing homes and you had adult group homes. And God forbid we have a next pandemic like a COVID. Don't you want to know what we should be doing differently? Don't you want to learn from our mistakes? How in the world does Governor Hochul justify vetoing this legislation? Now, she is saying that the reason she vetoed this and a whole bunch of other bills that passed, and she did veto a whole package of bills, has to do with spending. She said that the cost of all the bills would collectively exceed $40 million, something the state has not budgeted for at the start of the year. The reason I'm skeptical is because Governor Hochul hasn't exactly been thrifty with the taxpayer dollar on anything else. She has no problem giving the Buffalo Bills money. She has no problem essentially creating a slush fund for herself to fund different different projects out on Long Island and things of that nature. But this time she is concerned about spending. Huh? I'm not so sure. And I think there might be something else afoot here. Let's keep an eye on this. Beam me up to be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. I've mentioned this before, but for years, I was one of the leaders on both a local level and a statewide level in the New York State Independence Party. And I think we did a lot of good things with the Independence Party. Ultimately, we had a parting of the ways, but that's what happens in the in life and in politics, certainly. And then when uh, I was involved in Curtis's campaign last year, we petitioned to create a separate third party line, which we did get. He was the nominee of the Independent Party, in addition to being the nominee of the Republican Party. The idea behind uh, creating this line, the Independent Party, was to kind of send the message that Curtis was an independent-minded guy and give independent voters, or voters that aren't enrolled in any party, a place to go if they weren't comfortable voting on the Republican line. Now, on May 25th, the New York State Legislature passed a bill, A-1819, which says no party may use independence or independent as part of its name. The legislature still has not sent that bill to Governor Hochul. New York has sort of a unique system in the vast amount of delay between the legislature passing a bill and forwarding it on to the governor, which, by the way, I think they should look at changing. I mean, you'd think once the legislature passes a bill, they'd send it over to the governor, and the governor has the option of signing it, vetoing it, or doing nothing, and having it take effect without her signature, but not New York. I am hoping 
that if and when the legislature sends this to the governor's desk, she vetoes this. I think if you want to create a party, as Lee Zeldin tried to do last year, that calls itself Independence Party or calls itself Independent Party, that is in many ways building on the rich tradition that parties with the name Independent or Independence have had in this state. I guess the rationale behind banning these parties and banning the name of these parties is that voters who don't want to enroll as Democrats or Republicans, instead of enrolling as unaffiliated voters or checking the box that says, I do not wish to enroll in a political party, the fear is that they'll enroll in the Independence Party by accident. Now, that did happen. But I think if you're a voter that is so foolish that you're going to see a box that says, I do not wish to enroll in a political party and instead make the decision to enroll in a party that says Independence Party, I don't think we should be passing laws to save you from your own stupidity. The First Amendment means something. People should have a right to call their political party whatever they call it. And now, with this prohibition, New York has more banned party names than I think just about any state in the union. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I never do this, but I have to talk about an issue which should be getting a lot more news coverage than it is. And that has to do with the incarceration of Tommy Gioli. They call him Tommy Schatz Gioli. And they claimed when they put him on trial that he was the alleged acting boss of the Colombo crime family, although they offered very little evidence to that effect. And the jury didn't seem to be buying exactly what the government was trying to sell. They charged him with everything and the kitchen sink. They charged him with six murders, and lo and behold, he was acquitted of all six. They charged him with this racketeering act, this racketeering act, this RICO count, that RICO count, and ultimately they found him not guilty on everything except count one, RICO conspiracy. And the judge, which I think is totally inappropriate, and I've railed about this before, but the Supreme Court has upheld it, so welcome to the land of the critocracy, where the courts are the ones that run the government. So anyway, they sentence him based on acquitted conduct. So he's been in prison for the last 10, 11, 12 years, and his release date is coming up. He's getting ready to get out of prison. And lo and behold, he should have actually already been out of prison, either at a halfway house or on home detention. But he's not. You know why? The government says that when he had a heart attack and he had to stay in the hospital, that that should not count towards his sentence time and towards his release date time. So they're actually holding the fact that he was hospitalized for a heart attack against him. Now, when he was in the hospital, he was very much still under the watchful eye of the federal government. It's not exactly as if he was roaming free playing ping pong. He was very much still a captive, but they held that against him. Additionally, they seem to be inventing all sorts of new medical conditions for him in order to transfer him to a medical prison and delay his release. They told him he had lung cancer, not a smoker, no reason he would have lung cancer. Turns out he gets examined by someone else. He didn't really have lung cancer. They made a mistake. Oh, what a convenient mistake on the part of the federal government. So as of now, I think he should be released early next year. But who knows? 
The federal government may keep making up reasons as to why the time he spent in prison doesn't really count. And it's not right. Because while you may not care about Tommy Gioli, if they can do this to him, they can do this to anyone. Beam me up! To be continued.